So I am visiting my friend Melanie. And oh my gosh, I have to tell you right now. So Melanie got married over COVID. And I was the only person that was invited because it was COVID. So I came up to officiate slash be the maid of honor slash best man slash everything. Um, and I have to tell you, I'm looking at their wedding album right now because uh, Melanie's mom put together a book. And I'm just going to show you. So the first page is them, right? Like, it's lovely. I did a great job photographing. But the very first page of the album, it's all me and Melanie. And then this little tiny picture of Melanie's husband. <laughs> it's like, did Melanie marry me or her husband? Who is to say? And actually, so funny story about that. Uh, when Melanie and her husband were getting engaged, Melanie told her parents that they were going to get married. And her parents jokingly were like, have you thought about marrying Lizzie, though? Because <laughs> she has a lot of money and you, she can support you. <laughs> her parents are hysterical and I love them. Um, Anywho, the other funny thing I just learned about Melanie and her husband is that so the night of Melanie and her husband's wedding, we did invite a couple of their friends over for like drinks um, afterward. And there was a guy who Melanie was kind of trying to hook me up with at the time. And I met him and I was like, meh, not super feeling it. So we didn't hook up that night. And later, Melanie told me she had like asked the guy, you know, if he was into me. And he was like, yeah, I was super into her, but I was kind of getting threesome vibes from the three of you. And I didn't want to get in the way of that. And I was like, this man thought I pulled a husband and wife on their wedding night. Amazing. <laughs> I am glad he thinks I have that kind of power. <laughs> I have to, not only did I witness the wedding, I had to witness the consummation of the marriage for legal purposes. That, yes, yes, as the witness. <laughs> as the witness, it is my job. Did to have a threesome the night of the wedding. That is, uh, it made me so happy that he thought that. <laughs> so that's my that's my polyamorous friend story of the day. It, uh, yeah, that's that's very reminiscent of when I had very much threesome vibes with a couple back freshman did. year of college. You really did before knowing what polyamory was. Yeah, I'm Jen. I'm Liz. And we're harmless harlots. What does that mean? To us, it means being open to having more than one relationship, however you define it, as long as everyone gives fully informed, enthusiastic consent. It's also an homage to our poly Bible, The Ethical Slut, which we recommend if you want to learn more. We are enthusiasts, not experts in this field. So if you want to learn and explore along with us, we give you our knowing, enthusiastic consent to come along. But speaking of Polly, um, <laughs> as we do on this podcast, as we do on the podcast, <laughs> um, the the second season of Feel Good Two is out. Oh, um, I saw that advertised. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched the first episode, but my partner does not want to continue watching it because she has this thing where she cannot watch anything without looking up the ending and so she looked up the ending and she didn't like it so she was like i don't want to watch it anymore and i was like it's okay it's not a happy show i would it's not really be not. shocked yeah. if the ending is bad <laughs> i mean the ending of the first season was also not super duper happy yeah so um but so two things one um in the first episode they did introduce a character who was explicitly Polly, so that was Ooh. fun um, but Mae Martin, and I've probably talked about this, but Mae Martin, who is the the main character, um, my Norwegian lesbian friend, thinks that we are pretty much the same person. 
Um, <laughs> had, a, had a long drug problem that I don't think. Yeah, not that part, but like I don't know mannerisms and like I don't know. We I do look kind of similar. We have a yeah. similar haircut, especially sure. right now. Um, but yeah, so she also like wrote the show and based it off her life, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's super cool. Um, I think cool. though she well may may use they pronouns. Oh, I do they? Remember. Okay, I think in the first season, I remember they talked about potentially being trans because that was something they were struggling with well okay so that's what i wanted to say about like they were the first character where i was like i don't know they were just such clear and explicit like representation of just like gender queerness gender Mm -hmm. fluidity gender non-binariness where i was just like a person who exists outside the binary (laughs) like yes like i just never resonated so much with just like a character and i was like yes good so if you have not seen the show go watch it it may be sad, but it's good. <laughs> yes. I need to get better. I'm trying to make a conscious effort to default to, da, 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 to default to they, them pronouns when I don't know. And it's so funny because it throws my coworkers off whenever I do it. They're like, oh, are they are there multiple people we're talking about? And I'm like, no, I just don't know their pronouns. So I'm defaulting to they, them because I don't know. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But it blows I, I people's am... minds. <laughs> I am also trying to do that more with just defaulting to they, them. But I will point out, as your coworkers just pointed out, it would just make more sense if we just made a new pronoun that was gender neutral instead of using they. Well, but I'm we fine. Have I will go along with Did it. Did you it's ever fine. reach out to R about Zizimzer? Because I know R knows a little bit about those pronouns. Because we did. I knew some people in college who did the Zizimzer pronoun thing. Um, and I, I don't, don't know why don't we went away from what that. what the pronouns are. I just want them and I will get behind them once they pick up steam. I'm just, I'm just an advocate. Well, for we it. had them is the thing. Like we had those pronouns and I don't know why they didn't pick up steam and why we instead decided to go the root of they, them. Um, I don't know. I'm really Caesar sure. is a little abrasive. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why we went away from them. I don't, I don't know. R would know. You should reach out to R because R would know. <laughs> Yeah, Should we know. go through your TikToks? Because I, oh. <laughs> I have a plethora of TikToks from you so we can play the That's Are You fair. Queer <laughs> game. <laughs> favorite pastime. Okay. TikTok. Okay, so we've got, I got to count. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six TikToks today. Um, so it's a good even number so we could tie again. Oh, I think six is what we had last time too. Okay, so TikTok yeah. number one. Oh, I've also seen this one before. Yeah, I also agree that people can be friends with their exes. We've talked about that. Okay, this one is not queer, so that's that's a no on you, but it's still a funny TikTok. So, straight. Boring and straight. Okay, TikTok number two. This is moderately queer, but not like sexuality queer, just like human queer. So this is about armpit hair. And yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier when we were discussing like shaving being progressive. Like, if you shave, most people don't know that you shave. They're just going to think you naturally don't have hair. So the whole like, let's normalize female face shaving and that normalizes females having the hair on their face. No, it doesn't. Getting rid of the hair on your face does the opposite of normalizing hair on your face. It normalizes <laughs> not having hair on your face. People aren't going to know that you shave that. They're going to think that you just naturally don't have it. And then they're going to feel weird for growing it. So yeah, this TikTok has somebody yeah. commented like most girls after puberty don't have armpit hair. Girls that grow armpit hair are the minority. Yeah, and like, no, so that funny. is not true. That was hilarious. <laughs> when I was when I was in high school, I was um 
I was on uh, the volleyball team and one of the girls on the team, like her mom was like the assistant coach and her little sister would like tag around with us. And I think she was in like sixth grade and we were like sitting doing stretches and like she was like sitting there with us and she had like the lightest, like downiest blonde hair on her legs. And she was like, oh yeah, like I should start shaving. And I was like, why? why? You are a child. And Nobody then it's like, fucking, uh, yeah, yeah. I just... This whole razor companies that are like, oh, talking about shaving normalizes having hair. Not as much as just having the hair would. If we just <laughs> left the hair, that would do a better job. And this free. Ugh. Okay. All right. So I don't know. It's it's kind of queer. It's not normative. So I mean, arguably. Well, I mean, if you're, I guess it depends on what definition of queer you're you're doing. Um, I like the blanket <laughs> definition of queer. Of queer is just non-normative and weird. But I mean. I don't know. It's not sexuality wise queer. I'll give you a half. I'm going to say it's a half point. <laughs> half point queer. We're, we're half point for two so far. All right. TikTok number three. Okay, so this was not queer, um, but I do. Yes, you captioned this me, which it is me. So, yeah, this is a sentiment I've heard a lot of that as you get older, and get more money, you'll become conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and the exact opposite has happened to me. Like, the, as I've gotten older and had financial security, I've been like, we could do this for everybody. Why are we not yeah. doing this for ev-? And more so, everyone told me when I got more money, I would become more greedy and like want to hoard it. And they talked about that like it was a normal, healthy thing. Like, yeah, you get more money and you realize it's nice and you hoard it all to yourself. And that's just what people do. Ha ha ha. No, the more I got money, the more I was like, I want all of my friends to have this. And like, the more generous yeah. I became like the more I was like I, this is more money than I need I'm gonna buy stuff for my friends who don't have as much money as they should have like yeah honestly on the other end of the spectrum as someone who is currently unemployed like when you are in when you are like I don't know I think there's studies that show that like people who are poor will tend to like donate more because they like mm-hmm. see it around them but like yep. I don't know like it's not a great feeling to live in scarcity and to be like you know when's the money gonna run mm-hmm. out and like i if just not having stable yeah. secure income is like not a great feeling and like i don't think it brings out the best of me which like it probably doesn't because that's not how no. humans are supposed to live living in scarcity is terrible capitalism is awful yeah well and i i also think a lot of why i became the way i am is because of my sugar daddy because when i was living in financial scarcity right after college and my sugar daddy came in and was like i want you to have financial security and just like bought things for me that i wanted and it was really nice <laughs> that was great and so now that i am in the position of financial privilege i'm like i should do that for other people because like when i was there that was really nice and like allowed me to not be panicking about money all the time what's the random acts of kindness thing where like it's contagious and i don't there's a there's a saying i can't remember but like if you do something nice for somebody else it inspires them to do nice things and so on and so forth so acts of kindness oh there's something like that yeah there's a movie joel osmond's in it i think i don't know be nice to people (laughs) but yeah no i ugh, all of my older conservative family it's so toxic. It's so they're just like, oh, yeah, once you get money, you just want to keep it all to yourself. You'll become really conservative because it's beneficial to you. And I'm like, what a fucking depressive mindset. <laughs> also, the irony that most of those people are also Christians and like what an anti-Christian sentiment that like once you start yeah. getting stuff, you want to keep it all to yourself and not help anyone else. Like that is the opposite of Christianity. 
like jesus gave all of his fucking shit away and was a goddamn nomad and just like yeah no conservatives christian conservatives (laughs) are such the hypocrisy the hypocrisy okay but that one was not queer so we are still half a point for three we are lacking jenny bear all right number four this is queer okay good i don't know what movie this is from but i love it i think it might be from pretty woman i guess it's not directly queer but she's basically talking about being polyamorous but in like the closeted straight way of like i'm not poly i just have multiple partners at the same time ha 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 uh yeah yeah i'm not queer i just fuck dudes and guys and girls it's fine i'm it's straight what's that there's a tiktok where the guy is like did you know that men can have sex with other men and still be straight and it's like uh okay (laughs) i mean you can (laughs) you can identify however you want sir but um okay (laughs) i'm gonna count that as queer okay so we are one and a half for four for four all right two left i'm not gonna count this as queer i think this could be straight um so this was strict parents raise the horniest kids because when you put a that this was pressure kink. cooker yeah it's kink I, well, I guess kink is kind of queer but that could also be applied to straight kids as well that like yeah if you don't like kids explore their sexuality and they're just like repressed then as soon as they go to college, they fuck every. It's the same thing with drinking, right? Like if you, the kids who went to the hospital first year in college were not the kids who had drank in high school. They were the kids who had never drank before and didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Like they were the kids yep. who they'd never had alcohol. They got to college and they were like, I can have 17 beers. No, you can't, Chad. No, you can't. You will die. <laughs> um, so the, the you gotta like small doses healthy amounts in supervised environments with both alcohol and sexual exploration i think is really important <laughs> so that kids don't go out into the real world and not have any idea what the fuck they're doing and die <laughs> okay i'm not gonna count that square though so we're still one and a half for uh for six for five yeah, for five. Oh, for five right okay this is this is number six but I can already tell it's queer because it says straight children in the in the title so this is gonna be queer so this is just uh two middle children that are not straight when the parents thought all four kids were straight um i really want to do one with the four of us because all four of us are queer and i love those ones where the tiktoks that are like when your parents think they're raising straight kids and then all four of you end up queer (laughs) Uh, but i don't think the boys would agree to it (laughs) but it would be funny i mean joey would do it yeah probably billy doesn't like attention No, but I bet we could get him to do it. He'd we could probably bully him into it. He would. Okay. Uh, all right. So what are that was two and a half out of two six. And, two and a half. All right. That's under under three. <clears throat> Hand over your queer card, <laughs> you straight bitch. <laughs> to be fair, I like to think my identity is a little more robust than just queer. Like know. you know, we got poly, we got socialist, Christian critique kink tiktok like i, yeah. I have a, if I have you a count, robust portfolio if you count kink as queer then yeah these were majority queer but i the the particular kink one that was in here could have also very easily applied to straight children too so i don't know i, suppose I don't know you can count it just queer. depends on how you are defining queer That's versus valid. you know then you gotta define <laughs> the normative i guess but whatever i'm starting to think this game was a bad idea <laughs> 
<laughs> it started out all in good fun and now it's i don't know <laughs> your identity is valid regardless of how many queer TikToks you said. <laughs> yeah, mom was talking uh, i was talking to mom the other day and she we were, we were both a bit concerned that you are a bit stretched thin this month of june mm-hmm. you don't say yeah i oh boy yeah i have a lot going on i'm barely home at all i'm just i'm traveling all of june just just i'm not gonna be home for a full week the entire month like i'm just going fucking everywhere i have no time at all it's very bad um i feel bad because i was not stretched thin in whatever the month before june is may 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 in may i had like tons of time so i got on the dating apps and like started seeing people and now it's june and i'm like sorry i have no time for you like uh poor josh i josh has been texting me trying to hang out and i'm like i have no time you're great but i have no time Uh, like literally i got back from the desert uh on monday i was back and then on thursday i left to go see melanie which is where i'm at now so i was only home for monday tuesday wednesday and in that time i had a lot of other things i had to do and so josh texted me like on wednesday like oh you're back from your trip do you want to hang out and i was like i would but i am leaving tomorrow morning (laughs) so i cannot (laughs) oh there's a lot happening it's fine everything's fine i'm fine we are polysaturated in both lovers and life Okay. <laughs> I also have like three other guys I promised I would go on dates with, and I have not had time for any of them. Also, the girl I took on my fancy paddleboarding date has been trying to meet up with me again, and I want to because I really like her. But again, I have no time. I didn't know you went on an official date with a girl. You didn't tell didn't me I? that girl. Who's yes, girl? Yes, I did. Who girl. So Kelsey, Kelsey and I is actually a great story. So Kelsey and I matched on a dating app fucking forever ago. And we would just send each other memes all the time and chat and, you know, whatever people do on dating apps. But we never met up. And one day she sent me her Snapchat name and I meant to write it down, but I forgot. Um, And then she deleted her dating profile. And I realized, (laughs) oh, my God, she sent me her Snapchat because she was about to delete her profile. And like an idiot, I didn't write it down and I lost her. And I was so sad. And then... Like a month or two later, Rick and I were sleeping together and I don't snoop on his phone because I'm a trusting human, (laughs) but we woke up one morning and I happened to glance over and on his phone was a Snapchat from Kelsey. Kelsey is not her real name. It is a more unique name than that. Uh, She's the only person I've ever met with this name. And so when I saw he had a Snapchat from Kelsey, but that's not her real name. I was like, that is a very uncommon name. What are the odds that that is a different person that might be the same girl? So I asked Rick, I was like, hey, do you have a picture of her? Because I think this might be the girl that I matched with and lost. And he didn't have a picture, but he did just like give me her Snapchat. So I, like a fucking creep, was like, I'll just Snapchat her because what, what the fuck do I have to lose? Um, so I Snapchat her and I was like, hey, this is Lizzie. I don't know if this is the same person I matched with on a dating app, but like, I didn't write down your Snapchat before you deleted your profile. But like, if it is you, like, I'm sorry. Hi. <laughs> and she messaged back and was like, yes, it's me. Like, I was so sad you never Snapchatted me. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't write down your thing before you deleted your profile and I couldn't find it. So we found each other and it was magical. So then we started talking again and I took her on a beautiful first date where I packed us a picnic and I paddleboarded us out to an island and we had a picnic on an island and then we paddleboarded back and it started raining 
really heavily not in the pretty romantic <laughs> sense it was like really heavy rain like we were afraid um <laughs> but it was a lovely lovely first date and we hung out another time um with rick we actually went and uh played pickleball um i'm still kind of vying for a threesome since rick and i both match with this girl but we'll see what happens i don't know Did, yeah i was gonna say what wish had she just also met rick on the dating app yeah so rick and her had matched on the dating app as well and that's how they had met so thank God it we're both like hoes because we can yeah, find each other's like the women. Start of, a, of a beautiful triad. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, she's been trying to have a third date, and I have no time. Even though I like her, I'm just like I have so much stuff going on. I'm sorry. That does honestly sound like the most ethical unicorn hunting way. Right? Like, Like it wasn't on purpose. We randomly matched with her. Right? Like, Rick and I weren't (laughs) trying to find a third directly. We just happened to both match with the same girl. And, like, (laughs) uh, if it happens, it happens. So, we shall see. Nothing's happened yet. But, because I'm fucking busy as hell. But maybe someday, I hope, fingers crossed. Well, yeah, that's a fun story. <laughs> but yeah, to to address your and mom's concerns, I am stretched very thin. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Best of luck, I guess. Thanks. July will be less busy. I hope. It's good. June is just going to be packed. It's nice, though. I Looking at my calendar pre-COVID, I think this is what life used to be like for me. Like, I did used to have activities all the time every night of the week, and then COVID hit. And it was, I do remember at the beginning of COVID, it being so wild having free time. I was like, what is this? What do I do? And then I got used to it because humans are adaptable and that's what we do. So now I'm used to COVID where I have free time all the time. And now that we're, you know, we're vaccinated and friends are back and stuff, I have activities every fucking day and it's just going to take some adjusting for me to get used to it. But I think this is pretty similar to what I was doing pre-COVID. So I should get better at like setting boundaries and reserving some days to not have things to do that would be healthy (laughs) we don't do healthy things like set boundaries oh um happy 20th episode by the way oh are we on episode 20 wow yeah actually uh the fam came up this past week for mom's birthday and uh billy is way behind on listening and billy was like well how many episodes are there and mom was like oh there's like 18 and i was like is there 18 already holy shit (laughs) i guess we have been doing it every week for a while now so it makes sense but like wow time does fly i am much less busy i guess but i am mostly busy with job hunting which is an emotional roller coaster of some days being like I'll get, I'll get a job. It's fine. And other days being like, I will never find employment ever. I will be unemployed for the rest of my life. <laughs> Nobody wants me. I have nothing to offer. <laughs> Even if you don't find a job, you can just come move in with me and it'll be fine. It's just dumb. It's like, I don't know. Why, why doesn't anybody want to give me a job? All I want to do is work for you <laughs> in exchange for survival resources. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Capitalism made me. <laughs> uh, yeah. If we go to Denver, there'll be a lot of jobs, I think. And I really would like to be in Denver. I think it's a cool city. There's a lot of queer people. I think you'd find your We should go visit. Denver at some point and I can introduce you to the people who showed me the ethical slut and I think you would like them and we can you can always just get a job as like a barista or something for a while just to have something to do and not figure it out because like that's not a respectable profession but like a being on my feet 
all the day. I I think I have I think I overpronate, which is where you put too much pressure on the arch of your foot and like gives you flat feet because like my feet hurt all the time. Anyway, that <laughs> and like I am not built for customer service. Like I could oh, not handle it. Like the people who can do that, I have so much respect for because I do not have the patience. <laughs> I only say barista because typically there's always places hiring baristas. But yeah. there's probably also other jobs you could get. I don't know. I don't know. But something I thought of, which this is probably not a unique thought, but the my my quote, Jen's inspirational, well, more so depressing quote of the day is, um, "Growing up is realizing you're not the main character, but you're the author." And the story is your entire responsibility. <laughs> Actually, fun uh, fun story about white privilege. Um, so growing up, I always, and I think you might have had this experience too, always like thought of myself as the main character of, you know, my own story. Like that was just, it was, it was about me. It was all about me. I was chatting <laughs> with one of my friends of color and found out that it's actually a very common experience for them to not think of themselves as the main character of their story and that hmm. they are like a supporting character in other people's lives which is really interesting because I've had that experience like a couple of times here and there but like yeah by and large I've always thought of myself as the main character and like for a lot of people of color that is not the experience they really think of themselves as side characters which I'm like Mm. whoa wake up white privilege moment yeah um I was talking with my partner and whenever we're watching media and there's like a queer line subplot or you know like if they if Polly is even roughly you know referenced to I'll be like oh my god like representation (laughs) (laughs) and she okay so she I don't know so like when I am like oh my god queer representation she's like Jen like it's not that big a deal like I don't know why you get so excited about it and so I think she has kind of the mentality of like things are better than they are which is hilarious because she is currently in a queer relationship with me which she has not told her family about because many (laughs) of them are homophobic and i was like i don't think you understand (laughs) that we still have a long ways to go um so there's that but i think it's interesting um i watched cruella last weekend i think i mentioned Mm -hmm. and i think I, i don't know what the term is for this i mean it's kind of like queer baiting maybe i'm not using that right but so like in the cruella film there is a queer character and there are two characters of color and like so it's like you know some representation a couple points for that but at the end of the movie when it's like this is the resolving scene in the room it was all straight white characters and I was like I don't know I feel like corporations and like production companies are doing this where it's like will like the baby step of progress is like we'll put queer and like people of color into like the supporting characters but like when you actually look at like the level of representation it's like yeah we're not really there performative um, yeah. activism 
Yeah. We change um, our Facebook profile pictures to say ally only for the month of June. <laughs> That's my favorite thing when people have the temporary Facebook banners. I'm like, what an epitome of performative activism <laughs> to be. Uh, it's just, uh, it's still a picture of me, but for a temporary amount of time, I will show you that I care about this thing. Do I actually care about this thing? No, but it looks like I care about this thing. <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this is nothing that nobody here doesn't already know, but representation for queer people and people of color and underrepresented people, we're still not there yet. <laughs> All I'm saying. Nope. Not even fucking close. <laughs> um, but anyway, a longer conversation I had. So I, I don't know, I identify with the BDSM community to some extent which maybe I just need to do more research on that because while I am very much into like power dynamics and identify strongly as a bottom, I've never done like the sadomasochism part. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I got into a lo long conversation about going back to one of our central topics of what is your identity and what is pathology of kind of the ethics of BDSM. And so what it boiled down to was this, was the contention was the people who inflict pain and derive pleasure from that, can that be problematic? Because... I mean, yes, you know, everything can be problematic. Yeah, and so I was like, well, my, my, the argument I kept coming Fostering back to Fostering kittens can be problematic if you do it wrong. Like, everything can <laughs> be problematic. Well, yeah, so what I kept coming back to was if it is between consenting adults, then like that's their business and they can do what they like. And like my counter argument was also like, you know, if somebody inflicts pain to someone non-consensually and derives pleasure from that, like that's problematic, but like that's just problematic in general. Like that's called assault and abuse. So I don't know. Like, yeah, I support the BDSM community and I support consent. Um, and it was just kind of a conversation about like, I don't know. It just made me think because it's like, I don't know. We all have kinks of some sort and sexual preferences and like where they come from is like hard to know and tell. But I don't know. I'm just kind of of the opinion of it's like, I don't, I don't like if it is between two consenting adults, then like, I don't see the need to change it at all. If you are with consenting adults and the thing gives you pleasure and it does not cause anyone harm, then like, well, non-consensual harm, I guess, in terms of BDSM. But it's not like you're like permanently physically damaging someone. I don't know. I just kept coming back to this where it's like, if it's consenting adults, then like, I don't care. And it's like, if you have a foot fetish, good for you. Like, if you have a, I don't know, a spoon fetish, like, good for you. Like, what do I care? Um, yeah, I mean, another... it's also like none of my business. Like, yeah, it like, does not affect does, me in any way. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but I guess another point that was brought up, and I don't know if I don't I don't know if this is specific to the BDSM community, or I guess kink community might be the better way to put it. One counter argument was like people who are into um, like where one person dresses up and acts in a very like childlike manner um and then the other one you know role plays mm, as an adult yeah um, did i ever tell you about when rick and i did the bdsm quiz no <laughs> so rick and i um no i think i did talk about this i'll talk about it again though uh rick and i were driving up uh to go skiing somewhere 
And we had like a three hour car ride to get there. Um, so on the way, Rick was telling me about this. Or no, I think I had heard about the quiz somewhere else. Or maybe he had already done it. I don't remember. But the, the, a BDSM quiz exists where basically you go through and the quiz will like ask you various questions about things you think you'd be into. Um, and you like rank them one to seven or something. And then at the end, it tells you all of your like preferences. Mine, my top thing was I was 100% non-monogamous, which, duh. I remember most of the things we talked about before, the, like, gas pedal sexuality thing you were talking mm-hmm. about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I most things get me going. Like, I've got a pretty high <laughs> sex drive. Um, but uh, the one thing on the list that I specifically remember being like, ew, no, was age play. Like, they, they did ask about, like, would you be into, like, you know, pretending you're a child or pretending you're an old man? And I was like, no. No. <laughs> like, most of the things on there, I was like, yeah, I'm open yeah. To that. that'd be cool. But when they got to those questions, I was like, no, 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 I would not. I, I don't know. And so, I don't, I don't know. For me, I just keep coming back to like, I mean, clearly, if somebody, you know, initiates sexual relations with a minor, that is problematic. Oh, but again, 100%. like, I, I think what it is for me is like, I don't know, I keep coming back to this, like, if it's two consenting adults, like, yeah, I don't really, like, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Um, But I think also something that we were disagreeing on was just like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to kink shame. So if it is, like, two consenting adults, like, the only concern is if you're, like, priming someone to think, like, the real thing is okay. But, like, that's not necessarily what happens. So, like, no, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to kink shame. I think, yeah, I think I always tend to err of, like, is it two consenting adults? Are they causing harm to anyone else? No? Cool. Go for it, bud. Yeah. For me, it's, like, there is such a difference from like fantasies that I find erotic that like do not translate at all to the real world yeah and it's like even if I had the opportunity to like do this like I would not want to because I don't know an aspect in fantasies something that's nice is that like I don't know it's kind of nice that it's not happening because everything is very safe and controlled Uh and but then like even when things are in the real world like with like role-playing it's like there is still that gap between like this is a fantasy like being played out but it's still a fantasy and like actual reality and so like if you have a fantasy and like it doesn't hurt anyone I'm just I don't know I'm just like Live your, so, live your kinkiest life. Have you watched American Horror Story? No. I know you love that show. I love American Horror Story. But that reminded me of in, oh gosh, Asylum, which I think is like season three or something. Um, one of the characters is, I think he actually is a pastor or something, but he is very attracted to one of the nuns. And part of what attracts him to the nun is her like purity and how innocent she is. So he goes out and hires prostitutes to, um, you know, dress up as close to looking like that nun as possible. Um, and then he has sex with them. And so he fantasizes about, you know, having sex with this with this nun. And so then in the course of the show, uh, the nun becomes possessed by a demon or something. And the nun actually comes onto the pastor. And when she does that, he's like, no, like, I didn't want to actually have sex with you. Part of what attracted me to you was the fact that you never would have sex with me. So like, this like ruins it. Like, I didn't really want this with you. I just wanted to Mm -hmm. fantasize about it. So like, yeah, like part of sometimes part of like fantasy is 
that it's not really happening. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, we've talked about this before, but with, like, like non-consent slash reluctance fantasy, it's like, clearly I would never want to do anything that I would not consent to, clearly. Um, but it's just, like, like the fantasy of giving up control is, yeah. like, very attractive. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm in the camp of if your kink doesn't hurt anybody and it's consensual, go for it. Yeah. So That's a lot of... Have you watched Outlander yet? No. I probably so much of that but. is just like this woman has no fucking autonomy. They try <laughs> a couple points in the show to like let her make her own choices, but like most of it stuff just happens to her. Season two, she does become a much more autonomous being and makes her own choices and is like in control. But a lot of season one is just like her stumbling through life and you know, oh, I have to marry this man and we have to consummate the marriage for legal reasons. Oh no, he happens to be super attractive. <laughs> woe is me <laughs> there is minimal autonomy in at least the first half of season one stuff just happens to this poor girl and she has no authority whatsoever oh in other poly news now that now that we're going back out into the wild i keep forgetting again with small town syndrome i keep forgetting not everybody knows that i'm polyamorous slash that's not just like the assumed norm um and i keep talking about how i've been dating rick for not dating i don't know if i'm with whatever friends of benefits whatever with rick i've been sleeping with rick for you know nine nine, ten months something like that and most people know that i was with zach for like a year and a half and so i see in their eyes when i talk about this people doing the math and being like wait a minute that overlaps and then i'm like oh fuck right i'm polyamorous that's not a thing you know like i just assume everyone's aware and i was like wait was this bitch cheating the whole time and i'm like no it was all consensual i saw this one meme that was like um oh it was like when you're listening to a friend talk about how how your other they think your other friend is cheating on their partner but you know they're polyamorous and it's like the pictures where the guy's like going from like does like uh like of like a concerned and then like a fake shocked face and it's like no really <laughs> really oh oh yeah <laughs> Uh, it's it's so easy to get into your little queer bubble and assume that everybody is pansexual and polyamorous because why wouldn't you be and then you go out into the real world and you're like wait everyone is straight and monogamous what how what how does that work yeah i think a a trend i've been seeing on tiktok recently is how people have been like but if none of the liberals want to have kids then the next generation will be entirely republican and we can't let you that know, happen they say that but so many children of republicans i mean technically we were children of republicans at one point and yeah. so many of us became liberals so i don't know republicans are not great at raising republican children because again with the tiktok you send of like when you put a lid on it and starts boiling over like i think they repress their kids and then they rebel as soon as they leave the nest so so I don't think Republicans will necessarily raise Republican children. My favorite is, was it Rudy, Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani's daughter, whoever, who was yeah. like, I'm a polyamorous unicorn. And I was like, fuck yes, Rudy Giuliani's daughter. Give your dad a heart attack. I love it. <laughs> that just randomly reminded me, but they made an announcement that the next Bachelorette on in Australia mind you, but she it's going to be a bisexual season, so they are going to have oh. men and women contestants, which I think is amazing because A, 
you know, just queer representation, but B, like, imagine all the polyamorous networks that can form. I was going to say, <laughs> at that point, I was watching a TikTok, actually, of somebody who works in the industry of Bachelor stuff. Uh, the, what do they reality call it? TV. Yeah, well, but Bachelor specifically like has their own. Oh, there's like the Bachelor like in Paradise, romance. Bachelor Nation, Bachelor. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. everything. Um, yeah. apparent one of the things people were talking about with um the potential of having a bisexual season was like, oh, but if you have a bisexual season, what's to stop everyone in the house from having sex with each other? And the person was like, hi. Even in the straight bachelor, that happens all the damn time. Like people in the house fuck each other all the time. They're like, that is <laughs> that is already oh, going on. Like that amazing. is not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's amazing. But I mean it makes sense, that. right? Like if you throw a bunch of people in a house and they're all young and hot, like some of them are gonna fuck. It's gonna happen. Like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. No, last season of The Bachelor, there was this contestant like MJ and even like Katie, who is now Oh, on Tuesday, they released the new season of The Bachelorette in America um, with Katie, who was on the last season of The Bachelor. But anyway, um, on the last season of The Bachelor, like Katie and MJ and like a couple other people, I was like, these girls are like, they like, they're not straight. Like, I don't know what they are, but like, they're not straight. <laughs> but it's so, like, not honestly, <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Official bisexual season. I also, I think it was Japan that did this first, but I was always hoping for one of the like rose ceremonies or whatever um for two of the people in the house to be like we're gay and we're running away together and i don't know how <laughs> nobody scripted that in the u.s first because it's brilliant but i think it was japan who actually finally did it first where they had a season where it was a male bachelor and all females competing for this guy and he one season i think he gives a rose to one of the girls and she like takes it and then she throws it down and runs back to one of the other girls and is like, I don't love him. I love you. And like, they run away. I think they're still together too. I don't know if it was scripted or if it was genuinely spontaneous, but like they are still together as far as I'm aware. And I just think that is uh, such, I don't know why nobody thought to script that before. Cause it's brilliant. <laughs> I would honestly be kind of surprised if it, if it was Japan, because I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it Japan is been. the most queer friendly place. No, I'm, I'm going to Google but it. I have the power of the internet at my fingers. Been. I should use it. Hold on. To be fair, I think in America, they market Bachelor products more to the straight community than the gay community. So maybe they were like, people wouldn't want this. I don't know. Two contestants who fell in love on the set of The Bachelor of Vietnam. Wait, so not what? I don't know. There are conflicting reports of whether it's Korea or Vietnam. Okay, no, it, it was Vietnam. It, the, I'm seeing the video now, and it says two women dump the Bachelor of Vietnam for each other. Yep, nope, it was Vietnam to do right. it first. Good for them. Good for mm -hmm. them. I didn't think of Vietnam as particularly progressive, but I guess they are. Uh, I don't know. I do remember, um, this was actually with my friend Melanie, who I'm visiting right now. Melanie and I went to Europe after graduation, and Melanie are not Melanie and I were never like romantically involved, but we're very cuddly and you know hold hands and we have kissed and stuff. And when we were in, oh gosh, I think it was Turkey. We were flying through Turkey. Somebody was like, "Hey, you guys should maybe not hold hands in this country if you don't want to get arrested." And I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> won't won't do that." I don't know what their policies are now, but this was back in like 2017. It would have been. Um, yeah. yeah, so we had to like make a conscious effort to not hold hands while we were in Turkey. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's like Turkey and like 
Romania, like kind of that like Eastern Bloc countries that aren't so great for the queer community. Yeah. But you know, happy Pride Month. <laughs> Buy our rainbow swag. Yeah. That'll make everything better. Oh, corporations and Pride Month are fun. Especially because you know all of this is gonna go away in July. Like minute July one hits, all gone. <laughs> no more pride. <laughs> So, okay. So a comment from a listener regarding the topic on your pod regarding leaving relationships you're not happy in, but the ethical dilemma of leaving a person who is happy with you, you too can Google the campsite relationship rule. It talks about leaving a person as good or better than you found them. It's similar to what you're mm. talking about. And I am curious how you'd both think about it. The funny thing though, with the campsite rule, I always think of the campsite rule as leave no trace. And that's not. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it can be. It's like as good or better. Like if you that's show up true. at a campsite and there's already yeah. litter there, like you should pick right. it up. That's valid. That's valid. It comes from an expression popularized by Dan Savage of Savage Love, which is like a like a news Savage column. Love. Um, somebody, it means if you're... It means if you're an older partner, it's your, I don't know why older partner, it's your responsibility to leave your younger partner in at least as good a shape as he or she was when you began your relationship, just as campers try to leave as few traces as possible at their campsite. This means no STDs, no pregnancy, no baggage. You get the idea. So interesting. Um, I think my response to that, your partner's well-being is not solely your responsibility. Yeah, I was going to say. Like if they're going through a rough time or like they make some shitty choices and they put themselves in a bad position, like it's okay for you to leave. Like they are they are their own autonomous being. Yeah. Well, the thing that gets me with that is no baggage. Like you can do everything right in a relationship and a person can still take baggage away from it. And that's not always your fault. Like sometimes a lot of the time that's because they have emotional trauma they need to sort out. So like that baggage is not on you. Also, similarly with like no pregnancy, no STDs, like, I mean, you shouldn't give someone an STD or get them pregnant on purpose if they don't want to, obviously. But like those are things that are largely out of your control. Like if you I have several friends with HIV and like obviously they're going to be good about telling people about that and like have their partners take prep and stuff. But like, yeah, like if, if it happens, it's not your fault. Like you you, you can't I mean, you can just be like, I'm never going to have sex with someone with an STD. Like that's a valid thing you can do. But like. I don't know, for me, sex is often more about the person than their STD status. So like if they're willing to risk it, like that's their decision. And then if they subsequently get your STD, then like, again, that's not entirely your fault. Like all you can do is like give them fully informed yeah. or like help them be fully informed. And like then the consent is on them. I don't know. I, I feel like it is still just like you should do what is best for you. And you should obviously not try to harm your partner. But like... Right. I don't think it's like morally wrong to like just take care of yourself to get your needs met. And like if you're in if you're in a relationship with someone and like you're meeting their needs, but they're not meeting yours, then like I feel like it's perfectly ethical because then at that point, it's not a relationship, then it's altruism. Like if you want mm -hmm. charity, then like go to a charity, but that's not a relationship, <laughs> my take. But I mean, it's also going to change and like ebb and flow over the course of a relationship because like in any relationship, there's going to be periods of time where like one person is going to need more support than the other. Mm hmm. It's going to vary over time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you're in a relationship where like it's always just one person, 
you know, getting support, then that's not a partner. That's a caretaker. But yeah, I don't know. I talked to, um, I talked to our aunt and she, because mom was on my ass about it. Cause she was like, she got your cousin a job and like, she has connections and she knows people. Yeah. So I was like, fine. So I cracked and I called her and we talked and she, I also sent her my resume. And so she's sending it out to people too, because apparently the only way you get jobs is through networking. So that is the way I have gotten all of my jobs is through networking. That's the way I've gotten my friends jobs. That's the way That's I've not moved within fair. my company. It's not fair to I, I acknowledge that it's not fair to introverts, <laughs> but it is like how it. I'm not saying I'm happy. It's how the world works, but it is how the world works. You get jobs through knowing people like you get jobs through networking and it does suck for introverts, but this is how, I mean, think like if you're a hiring manager, do you want to hire a random? I know it makes sense, yeah. Liz. I know it makes sense. I just don't like it. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware. I just want a job that I don't hate that gives me enough resources to live a modest existence. I'm not asking for much i just want food and shelter and clothes which i feel like should be rights <laughs> but they're not for some reason and that doesn't really make sense this has been Polly songs with jenny the part where jenny comes out and sings a Polly song <laughs> thanks for listening if you like this episode subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app if you really like us like 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 us send this episode to a friend family member partner your boss anyone else in your social circle the people you want to convert to polyamory start a conversation feel free to send us any comments or questions over social media so thanks for listening bye bye